This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. about us. Lord, help me with this. It's always about me. It's always about my health. It's always about my finances. But have we ever thought and considered, Lord, what is it that you want me to pray for? You want to have an effective, powerful prayer life? First of all, we need to pray God in spirit. Many of us, we do it in the flesh. Many of us, we just do it out of routine. Many of us, we do it out of rituals. Each and every one of us could probably come up with a list of things we could use prayer for if we were asked by someone. From finances, guidance, sickness, and more, our prayers are often centered inward in nature rather than being outward in nature. In today's message, Pastor Eddie encourages us to ask God what we should pray for rather than our own desires or wants. In our study, we learn that by praying in the Spirit and striving to seek God's desire for our lives, we are sure to be fruitful in our prayer life. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of Running the Race. I don't know how Lazarus felt when Jesus called him back. Lazarus, come forth. Oh, Jesus, it was so good. Why? Why? All right, Lord, you're the Lord. <laughs> I'm being obedient. That's why I say, if I'm dying, listen, my wife already knows. Pray for God's will. And they say, it, it say Mr. Pinero, you have only two days to live. Praise the Lord. Got my insurance, everything ready, babe. You're going to be all right. I'll see you over the other side, right? That's good. Don't, again, I love what Chuck Smith always say. If I'm dying, and people are praying for me, and I come back to life, I'm like almost to see Jesus, yes, and then poof, I see you in hospital food, that's going to be problems. <laughs> I want to see Jesus, please, you know, because we only know this is only temporary, and I know God would take care of my family better than I would. And because of this hope we have in Christ. And this glorious return, we eagerly wait with perseverance. You know, despite the difficulty, we stand fast. Despite what we're going through in life, we stand fast. There's something greater than what we're going through right now in this life. Verse 26, I love this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. I would underline that. It's very important for us believers. And let me tell you, I am so glad that the Holy Spirit is with me to help me in my weaknesses. I cannot help myself. But it's good to know that the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit, what Jesus called him, Jesus said the helper with a capital H. And and if you go to the word there, it's the parakletos. The helper, the Holy Spirit, another name for the Holy Spirit is the helper. He will help you. He will bring to remembrance the things that I have taught you. He will be, he's with you and he's going to be in you. We studied that last week. I'm so blessed to know that the Holy Spirit is here to help me. So in this life, it's not too hard when you have the Holy Spirit. It's hard without the Holy Spirit. 
because I always mess up in the flesh. But when I have the Holy Spirit to help me, to guide me, what a security to know that he's there and he doesn't leave us. It's not like I got to call, hey, listen, Holy Spirit, can you come help me out? No, he's in us. And how often we forget as sons and daughters, we don't have to live this life alone. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. One of the many ways the Holy Spirit helps us is in prayer. According uh, to the scripture here in verse 26, where we get to our knees and we don't know what God wants us to pray for, it says here, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. But according to this verse, verse 26, we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. Sure, we have a laundry list of things we want to tell God. Our prayers always tend to be so self-centered, selfish. It's about me, three people, me, myself, and I. Well, I'm not saying you have multiple personalities. I'm just saying it's always about us. Lord, help me with this. It's always about me. It's always about my health. It's always about my finances. But have we ever thought and considered, Lord, what is it that you want me to pray for? You want to have an effective, powerful prayer life? First of all, we need to pray God in spirit. Many of us, we do it in the flesh. Many of us, we just do it out of routine. Many of us, we do it out of rituals. Many of us do it just we want to score points with God. But we need to pray in the spirit and call him as we studied last week, Abba Father. We can call him Abba Father because he is our father. And so we sometimes come with this long laundry list of things we want. Saints, first, pray in the Spirit and glorify God in his holiness and how beautiful he is. Can I tell you, when you study all the prayers of our scriptures, you're going to find that the, every godly man and woman who in the scriptures that began their prayer always glorify God first. When I was in Sunday school, they told me, this is how you should pray and should remember this. I, I'm not legalistic to it, but I think it's a good tool. And is the acronym which spells out Acts, A-C-T-S. First, start out with adoration. Glorify God. Even the Lord's Prayer is not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's instruction how to pray. When they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray, that's what the Lord did. He taught them how he says. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he said, well, Lord, these misfits, this motley crew of guys you gave me, what are you doing to me? No, he said, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You pray God, adoration, glorify him. And then C is for confession. A is for adoration, C is for confession. Repent of your sins. You say you're not, you're not, you don't sin? Come and see me after church. We all sin. We all blow it. Confess your sins to God. Repent. There are things that we blew it all the time. T is for thanks. Thanksgiving. We got to thanks God. S is supplication. First, the supplication of others than your supplication. And you see, we come to God. This is the heart we need to come to, but we don't know. If we often do get on our knees, there's a laundry list. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody, all they do is they do all the talking, they talk about themselves? Don't do that to God. I'm not talking about these five-minute prayers either. Don't you spend any time. Turn off your cell phone. Get off Facebook for a while. Trust me. I got off in November. Hasn't, haven't been back. 
And I don't miss it, to be honest. But, you know, stop the daily routine to spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. It's not five minutes. I never told my wife, honey, you got five minutes. I say that, then I'm going to have to learn how to cook one minute rice. <laughs> I never told my daughters, oh, five minutes, you got five minutes with your dad. My dogs don't get five minutes. It takes them a long time to do what they have to do to, when I would take them for a walk. Why do we do that with God, these five minutes, prayers? We need to get on knees and we don't know what we ought to pray for because we don't know. It's good to find out, Lord, what is it that you're putting in my heart and my mind? You'd be surprised when you spend a few minutes, instead of just giving God a laundry list, you pray, man, God's going to impress in your heart someone to pray for. He's going to impress in your mind a certain circumstance. He's going to put it in your heart what to pray for. Lord, what is it? What is your will? What? And if you don't know, we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. We're groaning, which cannot be uttered. Now, this is not referring to speaking of tongues. I know some circles, beliefs, in uh, Christendom, they have taken this and used it as scriptures because if you notice here, who's doing the groaning? The Holy Spirit on our behalf. In verse 22, creation, you'll see in verse 22, creation groans. In verse 23, the believer groans. Now, the groaning here in the Greek is stesano. Stenzano. Stenzano. Yeah, I'm trying to pronounce it right. I don't speak that much Greek. Stenzano, yes, which is a sign. Is a long, deep, audible breathing expression, expressing sadness, relief, a tenderness, or similar feelings. It's like, oh, you've been there. I don't know if you pray, somebody gives you a spiritual groaning. You know, when you pray, somebody, mm, that's a spiritual groaning. That's how we groan. It's not speaking in tongues. In verse 27, now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And though the, the groaning of the Holy Spirit cannot be uttered, it cannot express, be expressed into words by man, God knows every man's heart and knows the spirit and what the spirit is groaning. Case in point, when I blow it, there goes the Holy Spirit praying for me. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. For a little guy, you cause big problems. Lord, forgive him. You know, and that's what groaning is. He's groaning on my behalf. And so saints know that the Holy Spirit groans. He makes intercession for you. According, here's what it is. What does he do when he intercedes? According to the will of God. The Holy Spirit prays for us always according to the will of God. That's something we know. We need to learn how to pray. You need to pray according to God's will. You know how people want to change? Lord, I know it may not be your will, but Lord, this is what I'm praying for. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I don't care if you're one of those groups and naming it, claim it, blabbing and grabbing, shaking and bake it. You can't claim anything. It's God's will. Jesus said, not my will, your will be done when he was here on earth. Who are we to try to change God's mind and God's future plans? But when the Holy Spirit does, he prays for you. He prays according to God's will. And that's good and that's important because when the Holy Spirit prays for you according to God's will, it's always for your good. It's always for your benefit. It's always for God's eternal plan in your life. 
we know we want to go somewhere else, but then, you know, God has other plans for us. When we surrender our lives, and we talk about surrendering, that means you're giving your life completely to God, not just join a religion, not just, you know, playing Christianity, but you surrender your life completely to God, and you want God to take full control of that. And when the Holy Spirit prays and intercedes for you, it's according to God's will because it's good for you. And so, though we blow it, and though we suffer, we go through uh, trials and tribulations, and though our earthly body groans with new, uh, for a new glorified body, Paul continues in verse 28, and we all know verse 28, don't we? We love these uh, uplifting verses. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so Paul starts out, and we know, and we know. It's not I hope, it's not I maybe, and we know. We know that all things, not some of the things, not part of the things, but that word all in the Greek is the same as it is in English and in Spanish and in Hebrew. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord. To those who are called according to his purpose. Those things that are working for good is not for your pleasure. It's not to have your own perfect world. But it's to be called according to his purpose. We always tend to like switch it around. Oh, I want it to work my way. Okay, I'm going through these trials and tribulations. I want it to be my way. And so, yeah, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. But you forgot to read the other half of the verse, as we often do, don't we? It's got to be my way. It's not God's way. And literally, you know, God's way is a lot better than your way. It's all things. Right now, I don't know what many of us, uh, some of you are going through, what we're struggling through, what you're dealing with. You're dealing probably with some a heartbreak, a tragedy. You're probably frustrated. You're stressed out. You may be wondering to yourself, you say, wait a minute, I like that verse, but how does that play in what I'm going through right now? What good can come out of this? What good can come out of this? Know for sure that God is in control. Know for sure that God is in control. It may not seem so, but understand this, that God is behind the scene. He's making it. He's shaping it to work out according to his will, according to his purpose. Even when your enemies come against you. So how does this play out, Lord, my enemies? I like what the writer of Ecclesiastes writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. He says, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. I love that. Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. Don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about the world. I always got people telling me, well, I don't know, Pastor. You know, I'm serving the Lord, but, you know, my friend, my brother, you know, he's not serving the Lord. Everything's going great. Little do you know that, hey, you got Christians where things are going great. You have Christians where things are going bad. You got people who are not Christians, things are going great. You got people who are not Christians, things are going bad. Does it really matter? No, but all things for your end work together for good. Now, if you study the life of Joseph, I think Joseph is an incredible story to study. Joseph, you'll find so many parallels between the life of Joseph and Jesus Christ. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. 
Joseph was sold. He was put in a pit, sold for fla- uh, to, uh, to slavery. He was sold. He was put in jail. He was robbed of his youth, robbed of his relationship with his father. Sounds similar to Jesus, doesn't it? And Joseph, we, there's nothing recorded in the life of Joseph in Genesis that he sinned. Not saying that he was without sin, but we know that's impossible. There's only one without sin as Jesus Christ. But there's nothing recorded. And once Joseph has reached to be second to Pharaoh, his brothers finally came, his family finally came, and guess what happens? His brothers now fear that Joseph will seek revenge. Now, Joseph's lost a lot. But this is what he said, and I would kind of, for you students, I, I always like to write verses next to the verses that are probably it's really close. I would write this verse, Genesis 50, chapter 50, verse 20. This is what Joseph said. Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. You meant it for evil. God made it for good. God meant it for good. There was a plan. And Joseph didn't have a Bible, but Joseph knew God well enough to know that whatever I'm going through right now, God is going to turn it out for good. It's going to work out for good. There's an eternal plan because I serve an eternal God. My relationship with him is eternally, and there's an eternal plan for me to be with him. So the plan is eternal. It's just not momentary. And saints, this is what we need to understand. Don't think about the here and now. Look at the then and there. That is important. When you look at what you're going through, listen, give it to me. Give it, bring it. The time will come. Even if you take my life, Jesus says, hey, why worry about the one that could take away the flesh? Worry about the one that could take the flesh and the soul. Take it. I'm going to heaven. To live is Christ, to die is gain. It's coming from the apostle Paul. Well, there's a reason why God, there's a reason why God is working all things together for good. Saints, it's not a selfish thing. It's not like, okay, God's going to work everything all together for good the way I want it. No. Verse 29 tells us why. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the reason. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is the reason why all things are working for good. It's not so you to have your little glory here in heaven. But so that we could conform to be like Jesus. That's the plan. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Because guess what? Christ wants you to be just like him. God wants you to be like his son. Whatever God permits to come into our lives is designed to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the firstborn of the image of God, meaning by priority that he would have the image of God. You remember when Philip was with Jesus and the disciples and Philip said, hey, hey Jesus, can, can you show us the father? And Jesus said, oy vey. No, he didn't say that. He said, John chapter 14, verse 9, he says, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And so, as Christ is the image of the Father, we are conforming to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. And this was all done through God's foreknowledge. For he foreknew his foreknowledge. 
And that's important because you got this Calvinistic, hyper-Calvinistic view of predestination that God has somehow created people to fan the fires of flame in hell, as some of the Jews believed in ancient times. That was the thought. And some were created just for heaven. I have a problem with that. So there's a lot of whosoever's in the Bible. Well, whosoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever is whosoever, not those that were chosen or elect. If they are chosen elect, it's God's foreknowledge. God foreknew. The Lamb of the book of life in Revelation is there. God, know, God knows every name that's written and recorded in heaven. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the outcome. He knows well in advance his foreknowledge. I like what Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Any is any. All is all. He just said, not, he's not willing that the elect should perish. Why should they perish if they elect? You see, it's not the heart of God. God didn't create people just to fan the fires of hell. God is long suffering, not that he's willing that not, not any should perish, but come to repentance. Now, predestination means decided or determined beforehand. It is God's foreknowledge. God sees the end from the beginning. It's the Alpha and Omega. He sees, he sees it all. You know, and I like, I like uh, Pastor Chuck's illustration of looking at the end of the beginning. If, if, if for, for example, if you were uh, standing by, sitting or, or watching a parade go by in town, or um, you'll, you'll see first um, uh, the person that's in honor, the, uh, the, the person that's leading the parade, you know, and you, you'll see the, the, the marching band goes in, and then you see a float, and then you see some other people just want to just jump in, and then you see the float, and then you see, you just keep seeing Section after section. But the way God sees it, he sees the end from the beginning. If you were in a skyscraper, you were in a helicopter, and you look down, you could see the whole parade from beginning to end. And that's the way God sees it all. It's God's foreknowledge. God knows who's going to be faithful. He's rooting for you. He's not like biting his nails, hoping you don't fail or anything. You know, he knows already. He gave us a free will. He doesn't force us to love him. He never did. I didn't force my wife to love me and marry me. She did it out of charity. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This predestination starts out because it was determined beforehand. It was up there. Then what happens when we repent, we come to know the Lord. It's just confirming what God knows. This is foreknowledge. We've been justified as we studied thus far. Justified, sanctified, glorified. That's all things that work together for good. I'm We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the Book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. 
We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. You can also connect with us on social media, like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.